At a very interesting sit-down with candidate for Gibson County Mayor Steve Hilton recently where we discussed what compelled him to run for office, things he'd like to see changed, and some hot cultural topics like the BLM and Me Too movements, autonomous zones, cultural reconciliation, and more. These topics are part of our ongoing cultural conversation because they really need to be. No one sit-down recording could ever be comprehensive. So listen with that understanding in mind as you get to know Steve a little bit better. My name's Steve Hilton. Um, I live in Kenton with my wife, Tina, and our dog, Sammy. I've been here for two decades, roughly, in Gibson County. Born and raised in West Tennessee. Um, We've spent the majority of our uh, life uh, well, our married life in Gibson County and uh, watching how uh, the county has grown and not grown in certain areas. Uh, I did this once before. I tried to uh, run for the position in 2010 and I wasn't ready for it by any means. But since that time, I graduated from uh, Union University Mm-hmm. Uh, with a degree in organizational management okay. and leadership and spent five years as a chamber director getting involved with both city and county budgeting mm-hmm. uh, process uh, I became a trained certified community and economic developer Okay. Uh, I'm also a certified retail recruiter retail strategies. Uh, I've served on tourism board, Southwest Tourism. I've served on the Megasite board. I'm very familiar with the recruiting process and site development and everything that goes along with recruiting industry and, and especially retail. Retail is probably what gets least attention of anything yet. It's the biggest contributor to tax base there. So that's one of the things that I'd like to pay particular attention to because we've got a great recruiter working for Gibson County. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to join him. And in hand, if he needs my help, fine. If he doesn't, that's also fine. You're talking about Kingsley and Brock. Brock. Kingsley and I are good friends. Okay. And like I said, if he needs me, that's fine. If he doesn't need me, that's also fine. But I would like to dabble a little bit in the recruiting side and see, see if we couldn't, you know, pull something up here in that direction. Um, or, uh, you know, look at some possibilities of moving smaller type businesses in into the county that, that don't necessarily hit the radar on industrial recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, but yet they offer, uh, it, 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 they offer quite a bit, like for instance, software. We're a gig community now here, and a software company can come in, take the upper floor of a building, refurbish it, and you never know they were there. But yet they're contributing to the to the economy mm-hmm. and doing business, and that's a fortunate thing to have that service that the uh, the gig economy and be able to bring that kind of business to Gibson County. Sure. Um, 
when you mention how retail is the biggest contributor to tax revenue, so mm-hmm. I have a little shop down here on Main Street where we are, a little gallery. And when I think about what's happened over the past two years with COVID, right. specifically the first half of 2020, mm-hmm. for the first time in my business experience history, which goes back to the 90s, I started, you heard the phrase, essential business. Right. And I've owned a restaurant before. I understand the challenges of running and operating a a restaurant. And then, but solely being a retail shop that was defined or categorized as non-essential. And, you know, luckily for me, I also have a real estate business and I'm a, a licensed agent. So that was categorized as essential. Your real estate was essential, along with liquor stores, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, But do you have any thoughts on that that idea, I guess, of a state or federal government categorizing and kind of coming down and saying, okay, this is essential business, this is non-essential, in the event there's another pandemic? Who has the right to tell you how to live your life? Mm. Who has the right to tell you how to supplement that life, how to provide for your family? Um, When you sat down and decided to capitalize your business, was the government standing there at your shoulders and let us jump in? Um, The government is too quick to say yay and they when and, and to categorize I've heard essential business to it made me sick at my stomach mm-hmm. because your restaurant was an essential business your real estate was an essential business uh, the shoe store out here is an essential business too who runs the shoe store Sure, because that's helping them feed their family every day. And they're good business neighbors, they pay their taxes, but yet they're all of a sudden say, you gotta lock your doors and go home. Mm-hmm. No, I never would have done that. You think the position of county mayor has, is there any influence a county mayor well, there's, has? Yes, much influence that can be done with the county mayor. Um, And there's a lot of people who put pressure on the county mayor to support some things, this, that, and the other. The pressure on on me would be the Second Amendment Mm. and the First Amendment, the Constitution. And also the Tennessee Constitution that says I don't have the authority to tell somebody to shut their business. So I think it's pretty evident Specifically, in the past 10 years, there's been a significant growth of federal government, at least a significant influence significant. on local residents. And, you know, there's this big influence impact of D.C. on Main Street, USA. It's, it's, it's like those, those big thugs you always see in the, in the coach with stick pins standing, looking over everybody kind of a thing. 
is the way I feel that our government has done. They've looked down on the states. Um, they've wanted to blame it on the governors. Um, the governors look down to the, the counties. They want to blame it on the counties. Mm -hmm. And had they have left the decisions, I believe, to the counties, I think they would have taken care of themselves just fine. Right. The mask issue. Mm -hmm. If you want to wear a mask, fine. Wear that mask all you want to. Wear two or three. Wear two or three if you want to, exactly. But if you don't want to wear it, that's also fine. That's your right. Uh, is it your right to get sick? Yes. Is it your right to be silly? Yes. It's, it's a right. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the right as a mayor to look at you and say, you can't do this unless there's an ordinance against it or something like that. Just all of a sudden taking control and saying you got to shut your business down and you got to wear a mask before you come to work. And I, I still see people riding around masks on their car. That's the silliest thing I've ever seen. We, um, we're seeing a lot of relocation from states that are heavy on mandates, specifically California, Illinois, um, upper Midwest, in the real estate world. They're relocating to Tennessee. And I've got a piece of advice for you. Leave all that philosophy where you come from, mm -hmm. or you wouldn't be coming here to start with. So that brings the the issue of you know what you're getting at, the influence they bring into mm -hmm. Tennessee as they become citizens well, and voters. Well, not only Tennessee, but Texas, Florida. You're looking at waves and waves of people who are moving from California, New York, and all down into the, the I call red areas of, of the South. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I heard that it was going to hurt uh, to change Texas to purple. Yeah. Well, now I hear Texas is even saying the same thing that I just said. Come on, but leave all that thinking you had in California, leave it to California. Because we wouldn't be the way we are if we thought that California. Anything specifically that compelled you to want to run to be county mayor? Yeah, the Blue Oval City change down in Haywood County. With the Ford plant, uh, for those Ford who don't know. Yeah. that's coming in. Gibson County stands to reap great rewards out of that in the next 10 years, at least the next 10 years. And with my training that I have, along with uh, Kingsley, I hope to be able to snag a lot of that stuff. Gibson County is actually directly in the center of Tennessee. Actually is. And we have two highways that are splitting here, splitting our, our uh, county up, that are made to travel on. What mm -hmm. I call made to travel. On. Middle of West Tennessee. The middle of West Tennessee. That's cool. What I say, Tennessee. Um, at the north or the south end of either end of the county, you're tied into major connectors: mm -hmm. Interstate 40, Interstate 55, US 51, US 45. We're 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 all tied together at either end of our 
community. So that makes us a great logistics county. Sure, FedEx jumped on that. FedEx jumped in the middle of it. Uh, I'm sure that if you wave the brown flag up in the air, you get some attention. You know what I mean? UPS. Sure you do. You know what them brown trucks mean. And, you know, I mean, that's just one option. That's just one option. And like I said, they're all looking for opportunities here to grow their business and their speed. And this would be a great place to set hubs, especially with the Blue Oval City coming near. You know, Lake County has already, well, I think that actually moved Union City, already a huge boat manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's growth down there with the, with the uh, uh, river port. Um, hopefully that will start growing with the Blue Oval City as well. They'll be looking at shipping on, on the water too. Uh, there's rail growth mm-hmm. that uh, should be coming. Uh, there's a lot of things you should be looking at five years from now. Not necessarily just, hey, let's go after so-and-so. Uh, you know, he might be interested because uh, he makes the ovals at the Blue Oval. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be interested in there. So it's more than just that guy that you got your eyeball on, but who are you looking at five, five years down the road, mm-hmm. 10 years down the road? Uh, when you say rail growth, does that involve passenger rail? Is passenger trains too? Probably not. At least, at least not right away. Mm-hmm. That requires lots of people. Oh yeah, I took a Amtrak when I was a teenager from Memphis to New Orleans, mm-hmm. and that was such an amazing you still experience. Did. Yeah, it was passenger train development. I think would be phenomenal. I've lived in other countries where that's a primary mode of transportation. Well, if gasoline keeps going like it's going, that may possibly change all of that. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to see <clears throat> that sort of thing. Um, a few topics people ask me to bring up, you know, in the community when I'm talking with mm-hmm. candidates relate to firefighter pay. Uh, teacher pay, and I know that isn't necessarily all county mayor stuff, but um, any thoughts on how a county mayor could positively contribute or help offering better pay for, say, firefighters, first responders? Sure. County revenue. Like county tax? You can't put on more taxes People are sick of taxes. Everywhere I've been and say something about taxes, they say, uh, cutting, you know. And that's one thing I would like to look at is cutting senior taxes, at least in half, if not maybe eliminating them for uh, their property taxes. I had, yeah, I had a senior citizen tell me one time recently that they felt once they got to like 65, they should be exempt from paying all property taxes. And I thought that's an interesting idea. Well, it's an interesting idea, but I mean, think about it a minute. You worked all your life to draw 
uh, a retirement check that's just above poverty line and you're expected to pay the same exact tax as anybody else. Mm -hmm. You don't get a break in sales tax when you go out here and buy groceries. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we cut the revenue, how how do we get the revenue to contribute to firefighter or first responder pay? Grants. Federal grants? You look, federal grants, uh, there are uh, uh, regional grants, there are uh, Homeland Security grants. Uh, that that's mainly pointed toward uh, uniforms, uh, air packs, trucks, safety equipment, and everything to go on the trucks. Uh, as far as dollar figures for folks like the highway department and uh, the uh, the pay for. For firefighters when they respond on the on the job, that's just something you you have to look at according to the county budget and where all that money's going in the county budget. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that's one of the first things I want to do when I walk in there is show me the budget. Where's everything going? Mm -hmm. Let's find out where we're spending dollars. Yeah, and how can we either streamline that? Uh, is there things that we're overpaying? Is there things that we're overdoing? Uh, when we can tr contribute that back, you know, it's 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 not a it's it's not a small amount of money that you're talking about when you're talking about benefits and salary and everything else for the people who work for the county. It's probably one of the reasons you don't see a lot of staff running around uh, as county employees. But I, I mean, it's something you've got to look at. You've got to be able to pay the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think about civil servants, teachers come right to mind too. Right. And um, I went to the I went through the city school system here. I graduated in Humboldt City Schools. Mm -hmm in the late 90s and my mom taught in the school system here 25 or so years and you know now that I have kids you know my wife and I as they were getting ready for school now they're in you know, kindergarten and third grade when we moved back here from Indiana it was back from May first time for her you know then we had kids and we started to talk about education you know, where we're going to put our kids and, you know, I hate to not feel confident in the Humboldt City school system. Um, and I'm even more hesitant to even entertain a city school option for our kids, but for kids in general, in light of what you hear in the media with uh, gender, trans transsexual issues being integrated into the curriculum mm -hmm. and as a parent I could not justify exposing my kids to that in a public school setting where the curriculum in large part is orchestrated designed implemented from the Department of Education and that's why we have our kids in a private school 
it's really for their safety and it it costs us i mean it costs us uh significantly to not expose and really to from our perspective protect our kids from those misleading ideas any thoughts on all that as we continue into the 21st century and you have this strong push from the far left on using education as a vehicle for very, very secular ideas. Well, I, I saw an article, I don't remember where I saw it, had or, or what, about uh, a county mayor who saw all of this stuff that was being taught in the county, or the, the, the school system there. And he went to the school board meeting with proof of the things that were being taught in there, told every one of them either resign or be charged by the sheriff. And I'm not saying that we're teaching that kind of stuff in the Gibson County school system, mm-hmm. but we're in a unique position here in, in Gibson County because we have special school districts here that are their own taxing agent. Mm-hmm. So they levy taxes on whatever school district they serve in that in that community. And it makes it hard for the government of Gibson County to say or do anything with the school system itself. That doesn't say that we don't have influence. Sure. Yeah, and as a really out-of-the-box thinker myself, I wonder if we could ever not really wonder I, I would love to pursue Tennessee in general but specifically Gibson County focusing in on becoming non-reliant entirely from the federal government for funds for the school system because when a school system is beholden to federal dollars i.e. our tax payments then they get to dictate what can and can be done in large part. They say, you got to do this or you don't get the money, you know. Until you get the fat cats out of the system, that's going to be hard to do. Sure. Uh, I guess we need to figure out who the fat cats are. Well, one of the, I think one of the easiest things to push for, may not be successful, but is getting school supervision back into the states rather than by the federal and abolish the federal part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a fight. I can tell you, it's, it's just going to be a fight. Yeah, and it's going to take a while to do it because, as I said, the fat cats are not going to want to give up that easy. I could only imagine who they are. It's the industry school book publishers, mm-hmm. uh, people who do supplies, etc. Federal government, big cat, fat cats. It goes deep. It, it, it goes really deep. Um, and in so many different ways that you probably never think of, of yeah. who's supporting the school system and some of the things that it does and where the money comes from. When you sit and you listen to a lot of the school boards whenever they're working out their budgeting process, prob- I'm, I'm almost, I'm gonna say a good 75, 76%, and it's probably higher than that, of total funding to the school board comes from federal government. And I mean, that's something the state doesn't even have a say in. 
that's a problem. So Gibson County is drawing how many school systems have we got here? At least 75% or more in federal money to support their budget every year. And it, it does surprise me that it hasn't really been a point of conversation that now I'm aware of. Because it's such a super spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you get on people's toes as soon as you start talking about the school board. Uh, as you mentioned just a minute ago about school teacher ratings. Mm-hmm. It's tied up in so much bureaucracy. It's hard, it's hard to get that because it generally comes in the form of a bonus from the state. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who actually pays the teachers in Gibson County? To go through the federal government and back down? Sure. Yeah. So, I guess when I think about developing a, an alternative process or solution to paying teachers, that system has to be built first. So it starts generating that revenue. So you can say, okay, we can we can actually do this. Good and luck with that. Yeah, I think a state like Florida could do it because they have a lot of tertiary revenue sources. A state like Tennessee could do that, but you're talking about a major fist throwing action in order to get it done. Oh yeah. Uh, as my granddad used to say, a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth, mm-hmm. you know, before something like that ever happens, because you're going to step on so many toes trying to change the system. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with county government. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The minute we try to change something in county government. Yeah. People were scared well, of change. The way we've done yeah. Fear of the unknown, fear of change. And I was talking about this with a friend, actually, who has kids in school, and he posed the question, where where would we get the revenue then? And I said, well, we have to to be willing to pay tax to, I mean, if it's for the the safety of our kids. Somebody will have to shoot me for saying this, but there is a good tax. Sure. The good tax supports county services Mm -hmm. to you as a county citizen. Yeah. In other words, if you live in the city and you draw a benefit from the fire department, if your house catches no fire, you can pick up the phone, you call the police department, no charge, they come and check everything out. And vice versa. Same thing with the county government. If you get garbage services out in the county, well, that's a good tax. It may not run the way exactly you see fit for it to run. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of red tape things in that as well. But it's a service that you're willing to pay for. Sure. When does it cross the line and it become, I'm not willing to pay for it? When you don't feel represented. Well, I think that happened probably this year with a $62 and a half wheel tax. Mm, right. And you have to ask, where did that money go? 
what is that money being used for? And why did it all of a sudden take that much money to fix the problem? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that, one of the things that I've got to look at when I get in there is why all of a sudden we had to have that much money. What is the wheel tax for? Roads? Uh, filled up the county fund. Which is used for salaries? Uh, it's used for everything operationally in the county. Okay. Uh, the county has to maintain a certain dollar amount in its general fund. Okay. And it was losing money. That was a way to fill it back up. I've had people move here from That's, different states and say, a wheel tax? What's yeah. that about? Yeah. And Gibson County has one of the highest now. And I'm going to tell you, as a senior citizen, $62 and a half was a tough thing to swallow this year. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't sound like the, the conservative approach. My deal is, I can come near swallowing something if somebody comes and says, well, here's why. You heard why we have a $62.50 wheel tax here? Somebody come tell you? Or did you have to get up early in the morning at 9 o'clock and go to a county uh, meeting that you didn't know that they were going to pass one mm -hmm. to find out? Right. Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm saying if I get elected, I'm going to broadcast all those meetings on Facebook. I'm going to hold four quarterly mayor meetings out of this county in, in different places. We'll broadcast those as well. And I'm going to invite the commissioners to come mm -hmm. that are affected in that area. If they don't come, I'm going to blame it on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely need as much transparency as possible well, in the I government. Mean, our commissioners and our mayor are operating just as they want. If and, and they're saying, well, I mean, if you want uh, this, you come to the county meetings. The county commission meetings are not conducive to people coming to them. Yeah, they can get some elderly folks that are retired and everything else to come to them. But 9 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. is a real hard time for every folks that are out here working every day sure. in order to come. I agree. Another topic of interest in this area specifically, and I know small towns around here have experienced the issue of hospitals and well, how the conglomerate of the Jackson West Tennessee healthcare system absorbing and, you know, Humboldt hospitals closed. Um, when I was growing up, we had access to the hospital, but I live on the bypass and I see ambulances coming and going all day, every day. Well, they, they immediately closed Trenton. The Trenton had a hospital. Uh, Any thoughts on getting that back? Any thoughts on getting our hospitals well, back? Lots of thoughts. But what I started to say, in the little old town of Kenton, we had a, uh, a clinic built there, and they hadn't been in that clinic probably six weeks. So they closed it down and went to Trenton at that new clinic there that's at the end of the bypass. Hmm. 
So we just have an empty building up there that, that was a new clinic in Kenton. But stop and think for this for a minute that we, we lost Trenton Hospital. We lost the Humboldt Hospital. If it hadn't been for a smart thinker in Milan, they would have lost the Milan Hospital. And right now it, it can only serve in the Atwood area and across. Mm -hmm. So anything south or north of, of Milan is just out of luck. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the only trauma facility in Gibson County. Now, if you're in Kenton or you're in Medina and you have a heart attack, your odds of getting an ambulance in 45 minutes are really good. It has been done to bring back private hospital concerns. It's something I want to look at if I get in there. There's no promises of, of bringing back a hospital, but I will tell you this, lots of folks are looking at private hospital concerns more than ever right now. Hope so. so. There is a possibility um, that you might contact somebody that was interested in coming back to this area. You'd almost have to have a facility. Uh, I know Humboldt still got the facility mm -hmm. right now. Nobody else does. But, you know, especially the north area right now is way underserved. Um, And this is going to sound silly, but the South area is way underserved too, as far as ambulance service is concerned. So, and I found that out. Medina is probably our fastest growing community sure. in Gibson County. That's where we got the, uh, the growth. Mm -hmm. But yet they're still underserved as far as health service is concerned. Big time. They have a bay in their new facility down there for an ambulance. Or they're even willing to build out in the old fire department an ambulance facility there with bunks, everything else from the state. Mm -hmm. But first, you got to find out how much control West Tennessee Healthcare has. You know, from my perspective, just as a regular citizen, it appears that. The West Tennessee healthcare system, whatever it technically is called, that bought up all these small town hospitals, bought out their competition. That's what and, they did. And that, how is that not an antitrust law violation? I think it is. Yeah. But, you know, that's me and you talking. Sure. Uh, I'm sure that was looked at on how to, how to fix it. I think uh, I, I best describe that and probably shouldn't, but I'm going to, as we were sold down the river. Sounds like a, maybe a random topic, but when I ask, like I said, people in the community, what topics you want me to bring up? A couple of them said, what about this, this, uh, this topic of immigration and refugees coming to the West Tennessee area? And this was really in response to some information that came out that uh, legal and illegal immigrants and refugees were being relocated to East Tennessee, specifically Chattanooga, mm -hmm. and in the Knoxville area. And 
essentially dropped off in the dead of night on buses and stuff like that. Any thoughts on that topic? Well, I got a lot of thoughts on it. But one of the th- my major thoughts is is that we ought to be working on making an environment where citizens of the state have opportunities in employment to get them back to work. Mm-hmm. For instance, you can't keep paying people high dollar amounts to stay home and expect them to come out and work. You can't. Sure. If you're going to pay me the same rate to stay at home and eat pizza, I'm going to stay home and eat pizza. But if you pay me a rate that I can't buy pizza, it's just enough to keep myself in order till the job is. There are lots of folks out here that are paying bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the wage has gotten up to what eighteen dollars an hour. I think mm-hmm. I saw it Tyson. Yep. Um, I saw that one on Billboard. FedEx will be paying really good uh, at their hub. Um, Another challenge, I'll jump in right quick, uh, that I, I know about, specifically with Tyson's, is we have a friend that is in our small group at church, and he applied to get a job at Tyson's. He was required to get the COVID vaccine, and he died. And, you know, she has a kid with him, and... But she's she's she can't do anything about it. Well, and I wonder, like I've heard from other people, you know, I'd like to go try to work there, but I hear they're requiring this vaccine, and it's not so much that they're against vaccines in general, but the the idea of a business forcing you to get a vaccine is it's unconstitutional, and no business should be allowed to do that. Yeah, you know, when I heard that, I, I thought that does not sound like Tennessee to me. I know Tyson Foods is not a Tennessee per se business. An idea, and you know, I appreciate that they're here. I love that they've come to Humboldt. Well, but. I, I've got a friend who's a registered nurse that was there uh, and would not take the vaccine and lost his job. Yeah, and they're still fighting it out, I think, in court. But you should—I mean, I'm glad he's got the the ability to fight it, and I think it's a whole, whole big, big deal that's fighting it. And I have, I'm glad he has that option. But he should never be in that position. Sure. Uh, Anything a county mayor could do to prevent a business, a corporation like Tyson Foods, from dictating no. that? No. It makes me wonder how much control we have as citizens. You you could, well, I mean, I, I could raise enough steam and it gets some attention. I'll, I'll give you that. It's a double-edged sword. I it understand. Is. You know, it we don't want to run a... A great source of jobs off. Yeah, I mean, it's like somebody looking at me on one side and saying, I should mandate masks in Gibson County. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that is if you want to wear a mask, wear one. Wear three. But I'm not going to make anybody wear a mask because it's unconstitutional. So I wonder, I, I shared this, I think this was with uh, 
Mark Murdahl, when we sat down. Something I feel I've learned from the radical left of all places is entertaining the idea of pursuing and establishing or creating autonomous constitutional zones. Mm-hmm. You know, we when Antifa was creating their autonomous zone yeah. in Portland, I mean that that's crazy. But the federal government did do a thing. Um, how can we not, as Gibson County citizens, say we'd love to have you do business here, corporations, but you're not going to be allowed to dictate your employees to have vaccines or wear masks if they don't want to. Well, in that particular position, if somebody came to Gibson County, came to Humboldt, and said we're going to create an autonomous zone, first off, I'll call it a sanctuary county of the yeah, Constitution. Yeah, I'll call it something. First off, I don't think it would take Marvin five minutes to pick up the phone call chief police and have that little idea drawn right out of the middle humble. But by the same token as mayor of Gibson County and having a constitutionally elected sheriff, we would do the same exact thing and break it up. And not speaking for Paul Thomas here at all, but I have heard what Paul has said uh, on a variety of issues. I don't think that we'd have a problem with an autonomous zone anywhere in Gibson County. I don't necessarily, I don't mean like a leftist autonomous zone as much as I'm thinking, is there a way to establish Gibson County as a constitutional friendly advocate of civil rights specific to corporations not being allowed to impose vaccines on their employees? Well, that'd be tough to do. Um, see, this is where you get into the, the, the money and mm-hmm. stuff. It's like sales taxes that are collected in Gibson County go work. Property taxes that are collected in Gibson County go to the state of Tennessee, where they're in turn turned back and come back to us. So we're dependent on sales tax money and other tax monies coming back from the state of Tennessee that they can cut off yeah. and use them as pressure. How long can you stay in the pressure? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Ford coming to Haywood County and we have Tyson Foods here, FedEx is expanding Generally, corporations kind of lean left politically, and they support leftist candidates. And so I'm kind of thinking myself 10, 20 years down the road and hope that we can position ourselves here in Gibson County to help the advancement and development of the corporation less their leftist dictates. You know what I mean? You know, you wish you could do that. Ford right now is one of the one of the biggest pushers of the Me Too movement and the uh, 
and then several other different things that I don't agree with. One of the questions that I heard before was, will Ford bring that with them? If they bring their corporate staff down here, they'll probably think that way, yes. But you gotta remember that Blue Oval City, as big as it may get out there, is still serviced out of Detroit, mm -hmm. as far as the board of directors is concerned. So anything that they do will be filtered through Blue Oval City, It'll be the same thing. That doesn't mean that Haywood County has all of a sudden, you know, turned into a metropolis of me too. I know people will ask about the Me Too movement mm -hmm. reference there. Could you explain what you don't agree with it and what you may agree with about that on? When you say Me Too, talk a little bit about what that is. Well, the Me Too movement is... I know what it is, but people listening may not. It's, it's, a, it's a basic... I guess it was built on sexual harassment. That's where it started, at least where I remember where it started. Uh, and it became a fact that that affects more people in the dark, or affected more people in the dark. And it started coming out of, into the light as the Me Too movement and showing the respect to, uh, to women. I guess the first time that I really heard a lot of that was in the, the Blasey. Uh, oh, the Brett Kavanaugh yeah, yeah, Supreme the Court Kavanaugh nomination. Yeah. Supreme Court. That's probably where I heard the Me Too movement. Guilt by accusation. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, some things, some part of it, I do agree with that everybody deserves the same treatment, mm -hmm. the ability to listen to and hear what somebody is saying and not just be dismissed. I do, I do appreciate that and I agree with that. But I think it went overboard, mm -hmm. I mean, way overboard. Right. Just like everything else, that's happening in this country right now. Once it starts, it goes way overboard. The BLM movement, um, the Antifa movement, uh, actually the Antifa movement I think's turned out, and, and the BLM movement have turned out to be thugs. Uh, I understand the premise behind the movement. I don't understand Black Lives Matter any more than Pink lives matter, or green lives matter, or anything else. I don't. We all matter. Uh, I understand what it means to have a history. I understand what it means to have a backstory. And I'm not dismissing or or or, or saying that anything about that backstory or, or this history or, or this background is any less than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. Because we all have a story to tell. And sometimes that story's not real pretty. 
But what we need to do and remember is, is that we've gotten past that. We're better than we were. I'm not saying we're 100%, but we're better than we were. And we need to work on that part and keep that going. Any thoughts on how to continue to get better on that on those fronts? I think the uh, the word of the day is inclusivity, diversity. The phrase diversity. That was something that I studied in college, and I think that's even changed about a hundred degrees, hundred eighty degrees since. I studied it in college. It's hard to be in another man's shoes. I've heard so many stories about from different people about different things that have happened in their lives. But we we all know the story of slavery. We all know the story of of uh, the people who have come in and, and worked hard as immigrants and, and how people were treated back when immigrants were, were brought into this nation. The Japanese uh, during the time of World War II. Inter- internment camps. Internment camps. Uh, even in my own history, uh, I have a black Irish in, in my history. And if you want to see a real hard story about slavery, look up the Black Irish. But that's what I'm saying. We've got a story. And that story is what makes this nation great. It's a mixing pot of all these great stories and all these not-so-great stories. But we come to this nation to change that and make things better and we create things that are out of nothing. And this nation has the opportunity to make those changes and to to change people's lives. You know, tomorrow you could think of the next great thing. and you could buy the other 10% of Twitter with Elon Musk and change that over. But what I'm saying is, is it's hard to dismiss a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody once in my past said, my history ends at a slave boat. And that's a hard thing to think about. Mm-hmm. That's as far as my my ancestor goes. That's not exactly true. That's just as far as it could change it back to. But the horrors from that point are unmistakable. Mm -hmm. But I look at that person today and say, what effect does that have on you today? where you're at right now, what effect is that having on you? Because at the time they were in a fair position. And does it make a difference when you came in and put in your application? Did you have to miss that on your application? 
And then I'm going to say this, and I said, this should tie it up quite nicely. How many people have owned you? Because I have not owned a slave in my lifetime. And you know, that's a hard thing to answer back because that doesn't exist anymore. It's not because it hasn't been in our history. It's just because it doesn't exist anymore. And we can't get past that. If we can ever focus and get past that and past feeling need for reparation for anything that happened in, in the past, will never grow beyond it. It's always going to be a thorn in the side. It's always going to be something that people hold you in contempt for, but it's also going to be something that holds you back. This year, I've heard more about those who make money creating conflict. Oh, yeah. they're, they're coined as conflict entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, online, they're known Facebook. as... Yeah, online, they're known as trolls. Uh, but it, even, even before most recent history of the past couple of years, they used to be called sock puppets online. Yeah. Yeah, they get online and just kind of mimic each other and create tension and division. And, uh, you know, I do wonder who's behind it, who's, who's funding that sort of division. And, of course, naturally, you go into oppo- well, opposing well, countries on our own. Well, take a look right now. Who do you see out here stirring up problems constantly in order to have something fixed? If you're always having to search for a fix, for something, you're never going to get to the end of the solution. If you keep patching, you're going to have a leak coming up tomorrow over here. There'll be a leak over here tomorrow. And if there's not a leak, somebody will make one for you. Mm-hmm. You know, So there'll be that leak. People don't necessarily look whenever they get up in the morning for a solution. Mm-hmm. They look at, well, I got to go to work. Is my coffee ready? But they're going to work in order to follow a cog in that chain. But if you go to work looking for solutions, you eliminate that cog, and tomorrow's a new cog. And you just keep eliminating that, finally, you're going to. You're going to create something new. Yeah. Well, uh, we're getting close to an hour here. It goes by pretty quick. It does. Anything you want to end on? Anything uh, people should know about you? And how can they get a hold of you if they have a question? Well, just know that if you put me in the office this, this election, One of the things that uh, is going to matter is that I'm ready to take it from day one 
and step in to the changes that are getting ready to come uh, to Gibson County. Is that saying that any of the rest of them could or couldn't? I don't know, but I know I've got the training. Mm -hmm. I've got the training to handle it. I've got the experience to handle it. And I'm easy to contact. Uh, my uh, website is stevehilton.org. Uh, my email is info at stevehilton.org. And, uh, you know, I'll even give you the phone number. It's uh, 432-6136. All right. Seven three one four three two six one three six. If uh, you'd like to call me, if you have any other questions, and I, you know, I love to come out and speak to folks. Doesn't matter if it's five. Doesn't matter if it's fifty. <laughs> uh, just give me a buzz, and I'll come out and share it with you. Sounds. We good. don't have a whole lot more time left to share either. That's right. When when the early election starts? So uh, early voting starts the thirteenth. Early voting. Yeah. 13th, yeah. It's around the corner. Just next week. Good deal. Well, thank you so much for coming in, sitting down, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Wish you all the best in your endeavors. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening in, and be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. This podcast can only get better, right? I realize this. Your patience is appreciated. I genuinely am interested in learning how to not only be a concerned citizen, but an involved one. And this podcast is such an attempt. So thanks for listening in. And if you feel so inclined, a solid review would help me continue developing this endeavor.